So, over the past few weeks, Paul's been looking at the theme of discipleship, and we're, we're going to continue that theme uh, this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to the book of Colossians. Yeah, I know. It's sort of like in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, turn to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And uh, we're going to take a look at two verses in particular, but we're going to just set it in context and back up a few verses to verse 24. Before we do that, and when you're turning, let's pray. Father, it's you that we have come to hear. Father, it is your word that um, changes our lives. It's your word that transforms. It's your word that shapes and renews. And so, Father, we come to hear from you. Lord, we've been in your presence this morning. And we ask that as we remain in your presence, that you will minister to us. Father, that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, the words of man are cheap. But we come to hear your word, O oh God. Will you speak, Father? Amen. So, somebody better than me once said, everybody gets to do the stuff. And we're going to look at some of the stuff uh, this morning. And the context is Colossians chapter 1. So, if you've got your Bible... Let's turn. Verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. That's you. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim warning every him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Good catch, I forgot to flick the slide. Didn't I? It's just as well Laura's here. So, that's the context. We're going to zoom in to two verses this morning. We're going to look at verse 28 and 29. And there's a couple of things that I want us to drill down into to see if we can unpack some of the significance of the meaning that is behind this. Paul says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil, struggling with all the energy that so powerfully works within me. It's this idea of mature in Christ that we want to try and unpack as to what exactly does Paul mean by being mature in Christ. It's something that we bandy about all the time, spiritual maturity. But what does it look like? And what does it mean to be spiritually mature? And how do we get there? Now, some of your versions will say not mature in Christ. Some versions, NLT and King James, will say perfect in Christ. Now, there's a problem with that translation of the word perfect. 
Whenever we think of perfect, we, we kind of think of Andy Hard, right? Don't we? Andrea does. When we, when we think of perfect, we get this image of the perfect man or the perfect woman, what he or she looks like. Or we think of the perfect score, the perfect 10, where somebody plays the perfect game or presents the perfect pitch. You know what? That's not what Paul's talking about. The word that Paul uses is not accurately translated as perfect. What a relief. That's not what we're talking about. The word Paul uses is the Greek word telos. And we don't really have an equivalent for this word. It carries more than just one word would convey. Um, But the translators of the Bible have done a reasonably good job, thank goodness. Perfection, almost. Probably more accurately, achieving your goal. Probably more accurately, fulfilling your potential. That's what we're talking about, fulfilling your potential. You know, if we were to say, you know, we got to grow, everybody's got to grow to six foot two, you know, most of us are going to be like, well, I've overachieved or I've underachieved. That's not the way it is. It's about getting to your potential height. That's what we're talking about, right? We're, we're, we're talking about filling up the space that God has made for you. Okay? So we're all going to be different levels and different parts of the process but we're all going to be striving towards maturity. We're all going to be striving towards the goal that he has set for us. We're all going to be striving towards fulfilling our potential. So what is this that Paul is talking about? Paul said he, he strives and labors and toils to present everyone he meets perfect in Christ. He wants to present everyone to spiritual maturity. What is that ministry called? Well... Some people will call that ministry mentoring. Some people will call that ministry coaching. Some people will call that the ministry of disciple making. I don't care what you call it. We're not marketing this. It doesn't matter what you call it. It is the ministry of intentionally helping others towards spiritual maturity. That's what Paul's talking about. Intentionally helping others towards spiritual maturity. So whenever we're talking this morning about maturity in Christ or spiritual maturity, that's what it is. Intentionally helping others towards spiritual maturity. And that's what Paul, the apostle, is driving at. You know, over the past few weeks and months, this place has been called many different things. Some people call, have called it a field hospital. Right? We called it a hospital, then we said, no, no, field hospital's better. You know that field hospital where you're, it's happening in a combat zone? Um, did you watch Nurses on the Front Line? So you've got a picture of what we're talking about. Um, other people have called this, what we do here, a sort of an army on the move. And yes, it is all those things and more. I want to tell you what it's not. It is not... How did that happen? Well, it happened. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's take a look at that then. I've got, I've got slides missing in my presentation, which is not particularly helpful. Or maybe I've just got my pages in the wrong order. Right, we'll come back to the field hospital. We were talking about spiritual maturity. Yeah, let's unpack that idea. Spiritual maturity is an ability to view all aspects of life from the perspective of God's word. 
an ability to view all aspects of life from the perspective of God's word. That's where we're striving towards. So we get to a place where you and I are in a place where we can view all aspects of life. Just think about that. All aspects of life. The messiness of life. What crowds in on life. The problems of life. The difficulties of life. The joys of life. The excitement of life. All aspects of life from the, from the perspective of God's word. Spiritual maturity is someone who has learned to thrive on a lifestyle of Christ's love. Learning to thrive on the lifestyle based on understanding of Christ's love. We've just talked about the sacrifice of Jesus. What does that mean for how we live our life? How does that impact how we live our life? As we spend time with him, as we spend time in our presence, how does that impact in the way that we live our lives? Thriving on a lifestyle that receives Christ's love and persistently and organically giving the love of Christ away to other people. Persistently and organically giving the love of Christ away with other people. I remember a few years ago talking to a mentor of mine. Uh, he was coming to speak at a group that I led and the group that I led had grown numerically and then stopped. And so what we had decided to do, and we've grown from a small group, you know, I'm talking single figures to maybe just about double digits, but we'd over a couple of years it hadn't got bigger than that. And he was coming to speak to that group and I sort of felt crumbs, we should really be bigger because this guy's sort of higher profile than what would be the normal speaker coming to this group, and I'd said to him, you know, we haven't grown really much numerically over the past few years, but we have grown spiritually. He said, how long have you been at those numbers? I said, maybe two or three years. He said, you haven't grown spiritually. Because if you are not spiritually mature enough to tell somebody else about Jesus, you're not spiritually mature. The love that Jesus has for us has got to impact those around us. It's got to impact other people. And if it's not, if it's the love that we're not giving away, we are kidding ourselves and no one else. Now here's the thing. I, I, spoke, I spoke to a couple of people through the week and I'm like, here's what I think. I don't think, I'm, I don't think I'm wrong on this, but if I am wrong, I'm willing to stand corrected. Jesus gave us two commands. Okay, a third one's just popped into my head. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. But it's still relevant. Jesus has issued us with three commands. Maybe there's more, but it doesn't matter how many there is because what I'm about to say is still a command. He said to the disciples in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Why? Who knows that scripture? Why did Jesus say that was important? Love one another as I have loved you because... By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Jesus says, when you demonstrate this kind of love, people, people recognize it, people relate to it, and people respond to it because they realize that it's supernatural and it's a dynamic love that is not human and is attractive and draws people in and it brings people to a realization that Jesus is who he said he was and Jesus did what he said he would do. And it draws people to God. And in Matthew 28, Jesus gave us the command of go and make disciples. 
So there it is in black and white. Go and make disciples, he said in Matthew 28. In John 13, he said, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love the disciples? In what way did he demonstrate his love? Sure, he went to the cross, and that was the ultimate expression of that. But what did he do to love them? He discipled them. He intentionally built a relationship with them. He spoke truth into their lives. He coached them. He mentored them. He guided them. He let them have a go. He picked them up when they messed it up. He just, the way Jesus loved his disciples was a life-on-life investment. Do you see it? And Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. The imperative for discipleship cannot be missed if we read the New Testament with any kind of clarity. Okay, so who... Who gets to be discipled? Who does the discipling? Well, Paul says, everyone. Everyone gets, everyone Paul, look, have they prayed the prayer? Have they come to faith? It doesn't matter. It's everyone I meet, this is the journey I'm on with them. From that first introduction, now we're progressing towards the goal. We're heading towards spiritual maturity. Everyone, Jesus said it in John, the Father is not willing that anyone that should perish, but that everyone should come to him. Ask Johnny Farrell about his whosoever story. It's one of the best whosoever stories I've ever heard. It's a whosoever. Everyone. None of us get missed out, even if we haven't yet come to the point of faith. None of us get off the hook. Everyone gets to play. So that's who is going to be discipled. That's who is going to be invested in. Everyone. But who does the investing? Well, that's what Paul and Chantel are here for. Or not. You see, that's the mindset, isn't it? It's got to be the pastor. It's got to be the minister. Well, look what Paul says. The reason we set this in context, look at the language Paul uses. He says in verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings. In my flesh, I am filling up. Do you see that? Verse 25, I became a minister. God had given to me. Do you see the I? See the pronoun usage there? And then what happens? He switches. When he starts talking about maturity in Christ, who does that job? So Paul's, Paul's got a job. Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Part of Paul's ministry was to suffer. Part of Paul's ministry was to sacrifice, to make up what was lacking in the faith of others. That was part of Paul's job. We get off that hook. We don't need to go to Philippi and get beaten up. We don't need to spend time in jail in Rome. We're off that hook. But the hook that we're not off is the presenting everyone perfect in Christ. We. We proclaim. We admonish. We teach. It's collective responsibility right there. And just in case we miss it, later on in chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says again, look, to all of the, the Colossian Christians, a church that Paul hadn't visited, a church that Paul hadn't planted. So when Paul's writing to the Colossians, you know what? We get to go in that category. We don't get to opt out, well, that's for that church at that time. No, this is for anyone Paul has not yet met. That includes us. And Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Do you see the parallels with chapter 1? Teaching, admonishing, in all wisdom. 
It's the same language he uses. The responsibility for this investment is all of ours. And do you know what the indictment on the church in the West is? We just pay lip service. We invest millions in producing CDs. We invest millions in printing books. We organize conferences and coffee bars. We invest time, energy, and effort into producing buildings so we can sit in rows on a Sunday morning. None of it's in the book, people. I'm not belittling those things. Buildings are important. If we didn't have a building, we would get wet and windswept today. But what I am saying is, it's not a command. This is. This is a command. And the indictment for the church in the West is, we have just ignored. That's not for us. When as a matter of fact, it is exactly for us. So that's the who, and that's the why. What's the how? Well, first thing Paul says, and we sang it earlier this morning. Oh, yeah, the field hospital. Sure, we're a field hospital. Sure, we're an army on the move. But we're not a daycare center. We're, we're not a daycare center. You know what a daycare center is? Nursery school? Try and bump into Rossi McConnell about three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. (laughs) Ask her to tell you about nursery school. (laughs) It's a place where there is a handful of people run off their feet all day long, wiping noses and cleaning bums, helping people that can't really help themselves, right? That's not what we are. And if we are not prepared to take seriously the calls of Christ in Matthew 28 and John 13 seriously, we are in danger of becoming a daycare center where other people who are mature are helping other people who should be mature do things that they should be able to do for themselves. We cannot afford to just become a daycare center. You know, if you look at our community, the society in which we live, they are crying out for people who will intentionally help them towards maturity. We have fathers who don't know how to be fathers. We have mothers who don't know how to be mothers. And we have a society that doesn't know how to be a society. This is what our world is crying out for. We need to be a people who will intentionally build into one another's lives. Who will intentionally build relationships so that we can move towards genuine and authentic Christian community. People of God, that is attractive to a world that is alienated, isolated, lonely and dysfunctional. Do not apologize for what it means to be the community of the King. If we choose not to go down that route, if we choose to be a Christian who turns up to us on a Sunday morning for their Sunday morning daycare, then we're in danger of becoming an isolated, lonely, unattractive individual 
who is super vulnerable to temptation. Because when you have your brothers and sisters around you relating with you in your life, they're not going to let you stumble. They're not going to let you fall. And when you do, they're going to pick you up again. That's a choice we've got to make. That's a choice we're forced with making to this morning. You know, we talk about life groups. Life groups is the whole point. This is the whole point of life groups, to move towards that kind of community, to move towards that kind of relationship. And if we're going to pick an individual to intentionally invest in them, life group is the natural place to do that. It may not happen solely in life group. You may be doing that outside of life group, and that's fine. I would suggest probably both. Life groups are the, the organic place for it to happen but not the only place for it to happen. So how? How do we do it? Well, what we've sung already is this morning is the very first line here. Him we proclaim. It's about proclaiming Jesus. It's about, it says their warning, admonishment is probably a better word, but him we proclaim, we warn everyone and we teach with all wisdom. That's easy, isn't it? Actually, it's probably not as hard as you think. Proclaiming Christ, it's communicating the message of Jesus. It's telling the Jesus story. We, we should all be able to tell the Jesus story, right? If you don't know the Jesus story, it's in this. You can find it out. If you don't have one of those, I can hook you up with a copy. It's about telling the Jesus story. Proclaiming him. We're not, we're not proclaiming, you know, the last book we've read. We're not proclaiming an opinion. We're not proclaiming the latest internet fad. Or what's coming from America. But that's not what we're doing. We're proclaiming him. We're telling the Jesus story. And we're teaching. We are teaching. Not just imparting information. Some, I've told some of you this story before, but you know, I remember introducing a friend of mine to Lindsay Davison. Lindsay Davison was the maths teacher when I was in Downshire. And I said to my friend, this is Lindsay, he taught me maths. And Lindsay said, no, 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 no I taught maths, you were in the room. <laughs> very, very different. We're teaching intentionally. We're building in. It's not just about transfer of information. But we're teaching intentionally into the lives of others. Reading and understanding God's word so that it may instruct us and that it may instruct those with whom we're investing in. And then ESV says warning. Like I said, admonishing is a better word. Admonishing to counsel, to correct, to exhort or to, or to warn. It's all of those things and more. Another place in the Bible, talk, Paul talks about speaking the truth in love. When we get together as brothers and sisters, we speak the truth in love. Now, Northern Ireland, sometimes speaking the truth in love means I'm going to really tell them how it is with a smile on my face and then put the arm around the shoulder and make them feel. That's not what we're talking about. It might involve that. It might involve a warning. It might involve a counsel. It might. But speaking the truth in love is taking truth of God's word and speaking it into the lives of other people. It could be, do you know what I was reading this morning? Or do you know what I've read a hundred times that only occurred to me two minutes ago? 
It's taking the truth of God's word and speaking it into the lives of those God has placed us in community with. And we do it. It's the best picture I could get. It's better than an aisle, right? We do it with all wisdom. Here's the thing. Do you see when the Bible talks about all wisdom? It's not the wisdom of man. When this term, all wisdom, is used, and it's used throughout Old and New Testament, it's the wisdom of God. We are communicating Scripture into the lives of others. And where Scripture is silent, we are silent. There are things that go on in lives, and the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Well, you know what we need to do when the Bible doesn't say anything about it? Not say anything about it. But where the Bible is clear, we need to speak it out and apply it to where we're at. So what does it look like? Well, there's a couple of guys I meet with on a regular basis to do this stuff. Some guys I've been meeting with aren't part of this church and we've been meeting for some time. Some guys I meet with are part of this church and we've been meeting for a short time. A couple of Wednesdays ago, this is what it looked like. Now, when Leanne saw this picture, I got in trouble. But you know what? And I think I might be about to get somebody else in trouble as well. That's a bacon and egg sandwich. That's what that is. It's bacon sausage and egg sandwich, actually. We were splashed out that day. We sit down over breakfast, and we take a book, and we read a book. It's a quality Christian book. This is it here, actually. And if you're interested in this book, you can pick up a copy of me later on. It's Master Plan of Evangelism. It's not a book about evangelism at all. It's a book about discipleship. It's a book full of scripture. We probably try to stay away from just opinion books because there's lots of Christian thinkers and leaders that have got the latest sort of self-help dressed up as Christian doctrine, right? Try to stay away from them. We look for a quality book that's based on scriptural truth. We read the book. Sometimes I will have read a chapter and he will have read a chapter and we come and we talk, he will have read the same chapter and we come and we talk about that chapter. Sometimes if we haven't had time to read the chapter, we will meet and read the chapter together. He will read a paragraph, I will read a paragraph and then we'll talk about what we've learned about what's in that paragraph. You don't need a PhD, you don't need a doctorate in theology. You don't even have to have a League of Church Loyalty certificate. You just need to have a Bible and a friend. So that's what it looks like. Somebody else, I meet with two other guys, me and one other guy, and we meet with two other guys. And they are spiritually minded guys. And we just talk about scriptural things. And they talk about how they're going to get to heaven. And we listen to what they say. And then we say, this is how God says we get to heaven. They talk about how they're going to live a better life. And we listen to what they say. And we say, this is what God says we need to do to live a better life. And we're just talking Bible. So I've asked those two guys, I want you, can you both come up? It's Peter and Jeff. And I want them to tell you what that feels like and what they do and what their experience of it is because there's no point in me telling you because they're going to tell you the truth. So I'm going to hand over to you, Jeff, first of all. Thank goodness. <laughs> the longer you wait, the more nervous you get, I think. Um, well, I think you can be um, comfortable or you can be courageous, but you can't actually be both and um, uh, earlier this year probably at the start of the year when uh, the life groups were being announced 
Um, Lynn and I kind of decided that we'd be brave and join a life group. Um, so we went along, you know, it was with the intention of kind of, um, you know, meeting um, new people and kind of engaging with the life of the church. So that went really well. And the next day, um, which I don't think it was a coincidence, I think it was the next day, I was wandering through the Abbey Centre and I met Johnny and um, went for a coffee, actually, and then we kind of sat and we had a chat and we found out, you know, we have a lot in common. We're both really cool. Um, <laughs> no, well, we're actually both kind of... Kind of book nerds, really, um, which is not really cool. But um, we've kind of found out, you know, we kind of a lot in common, and sort of find out what made each other tick and what lit each other up. And um, we talked about God, and we had a really good chat, and and, and that was it, really. And um, sort of, I don't know how long ago this was now, but um, uh, I didn't have Johnny's number. He had Lynn's number through Life Group, and he uh, sent a, a text to, to Lynn. I don't know how many people he had actually asked before this, but he sent a text to Lynn saying, um, uh, do you think Jeff would be free on Friday? And uh, I thought, happy days. I've really made the breakthrough here. I might be going out for a pint or going for a party or something equally fun. Um, uh, so I, all eager beaver, sent a message back. Johnny said, oh, I heard you were looking for me. Um, you know, what's happening on Friday? And he said, I'm meeting with uh, three Mormon guys, and uh, I'm looking for a partner. And I was like, uh, well, I have this pathological need to say yes. So I kind of um, uh, didn't want to say no, and I sort of moaned about it inwardly and uh, went along. And um, actually... How that ended up going um, has been a real blessing, actually. It's been a real blessing to me. And um, we actually meet down in Creed. It's a coffee shop in Carrick. We also meet um, sometimes in McDonald's. And I think once we went to their church up in um, White Abbey, and that went... Uh, it's been going really well, and we, we just meet, and we try to show them more about how this grace thing really works. And as part of that, I think we have been blessed. They've been challenged and blessed and really taken on a journey um, away from religion and religion, religious thinking and into a place where they can really think and understand um, what it means to follow Jesus. And um, we sit in, we sit in um, McDonald's and they have all these books. They have loads of books. And we're sort of sitting, we're getting engaged in conversation, and it lasts, you know, a couple of hours, and we get so involved. And um, one time we're sitting at McDonald's, and we kind of looked around, and just the whole, everybody had seemed in the place was just looking at us. And um, we had all these Bibles and books, and um, it is a bit daunting. Um, but like I say, you can be comfortable, or you can be courageous, but you can't be both. So... We're just looking for prayer, and we're looking for encouragement to continue to be brave and um, disciple these young guys, to try to make disciples of these two guys that we're now meeting on a regular basis. Um, I think the moral of that is never join a life group, <laughs> or do. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, not ours, not mine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was in the building when that was eaten, but for the record, mine was whole grain brown bread. Uh, okay, I think I've recovered. Um, okay, I'm just going to give you two minutes of backstory here so that what I say about the stuff that Johnny's talked about makes a wee bit of sense. We've, we've been coming to the vineyard for about a year and a half, probably, 
And just where we kind of had come from was that in previous churches was really involved in lots of stuff and working really hard. But the reality was that we were just exhausted and just really worn out. Um, and I've only really realized this, this recently. And we've done lots of stuff. And when I kind of looked at the New Testament church and all this stuff happening, people being healed and all this stuff going on, I kind of looked at what I had and realized, Flip, I find it hard sometimes even to sing a song or to pray a prayer. This is not the way it should be. So there's a couple of kind of, um, kind of God circumstances or something like that that kind of happened. Um, I'll not tell you both of them, but I'll tell you one of them because he's in the room. I was in a swimming pool with 20 kids um, at a swimming pool birthday party. Now, this is my worst nightmare. Swimming pool with two kids is bad, with 20 is a disaster. And David Abraham was there, and uh, he, saw, he suddenly looked around, and uh, he was telling me all this stuff that God was doing in his life and church and all that, and I'm like, flip. I would kind of like that. He has changed, and I would like some of that. So we kind of started coming along, and um, eventually, to kind of cut a long story short, we ended up, well, I ended up at Johnny and Leanne's home group, um, which was called Word Up. It's kind of like a Bible study group. And what I kind of realized after a while was that Johnny started to kind of send me texts and call around for coffee. And all this sort of stuff, and I was like, "What's this guy at?" Like, and uh, <laughs> but I did really appreciate it right off. And um, it, eventually, it kind of became a more kind of weekly stuff. Now they weren't super spiritual meetings or anything. We would talk about rugby or Formula One, or and obviously there were Christian things as well. And then after a while, then Johnny said, "Well, do you want to read this book together?" Which is the book that he just he just showed you. And what we did is exactly what he said. We'd read a chapter and we'd just talk about it and we'd take the learnings from it. And it was really, really useful. Um, and for me, I just sort of thought that, um, you see when somebody actually takes an interest in your life, it's a really big deal and it really makes a big, a big difference. And for me, he was kind of in recovery and sort of um, recovery from lots of stuff. And I kind of realized that I've worked and worked and worked and worked really hard, but actually you don't need to work to get to God, it's just grace, it's all you need. Um, so I figured that out, but also just having somebody that takes a wee bit of interest in you, and somebody that just um, has kind of got your back, you know, if you need it, and somebody that's really just investing a lot of time. Now this man is a busy man, he doesn't have time to invest in me, really, but um, he does it, and it's really been a, a massive help to me, and really helped me sort of turn things around, and, or God turned things around in my life, and um, yeah, so thank you. Okay, so, so time, time is beating us, and I basically want to just say one thing, and that's this, it is hard. Paul says a number of things. He says, I toil and I struggle. He says, the words Paul uses here for toil and struggle is one that we would use for labor, kapeo. We used to talk about labor, whether it's laboring in the labor, labor ward or in the field. And he talks about struggling agonizei, where we agonize like the marathon runner. It's painful. It does cost. It does hurt. But look at what Paul says too. He says, the energy that comes is an energy from God. And the power that we're given is not our own power. It is the power that comes from God. Energy and explosive power from God. So the question is this. What are you going to do about it? Very good. Time has beaten us. And I just want to very briefly add and just say those who are spiritually mature 
And not that you've reached, because there isn't. That's nonsense, right? And you're looking at this, you're thinking, yes. I would urge you and encourage you to go before the Lord and say, ask him the question, who am I investing my life in? Who am I giving my life away to? Because I think it comes that way. Johnny's done that, he's doing that with two other fellas, and he's sharing his life. That will stay for some time, might go on for years, might just be, do it. I know part of the thing is, who are you going to then go and do it to someone else? Okay, and so I'd encourage you, and it doesn't have to be people in the room. It can be, you know, a couple of Mormon missionaries. It could be uh, someone who's way off. Discipling is all about maturity, maturity in Christ. And that's what we're about. It's the family business. Lord, thank you so much that you demonstrated what it meant in terms of investing and sharing your entire life with uh, 12 other fellas. Show us, reveal to us how we might do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, you want prayer for anything, you know where to come. See ya.